Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome back to Grey Malkin Lane, uh, the podcast where queer friends gather to review and discuss the original X-Men comics from the 1960s. Uh, I'm your host, Chad Anderson. We are here in a video format this time, meeting over Zoom for the first time. Uh, normally, we are down in the basement at my home together recording only audio. So we're uh, we're thrilled to have a new format to share with you guys. Uh, last week, we talked all about issue number eight of the X-Men uh, called The Uncanny Threat of Eunice the Untouchable. Uh, it was amazing, right, Heather? <laughs> with Professor X, uh, uh, with Professor X off in Europe pursuing the mysterious villain Lucifer, uh, Cyclops was left in charge of the team, and uh, he pushed his team pretty hard to be perfect. They were not necessarily enjoying his leadership. Uh, after humans attacked the Beast, the Beast quit the X Men. And uh, we got to add some retroactive continuity. Right at that moment is when, in 2013, Brian Michael Bendis, in charge of the X-Men, brought the whole original team forward to the future. So make sure to check out this special episode uh, after number eight, where I talk about all of their time travel adventures. Uh, at that point, they were put back into, uh, into the original continuity with their memories wiped, because, you know, that's how things work in comic books. Uh, they returned to the present with their memories lost. Beast launched a wrestling career. Uh, he met Eunice the Untouchable, uh, who was an evil mutant with a powerful force field. Uh, Beast rejoined the team, then defeated Eunice by enhancing his powers to the point that Eunice lost control. Uh, now the X-Men are back together and Professor X is in Europe going after Lucifer. So welcome to Grey Malkin Lane episode nine called Enter the Avengers. Uh, I'm your host, Chad Anderson. My pronouns are he, him, his. Uh, back with me is my dear friend, Heather. Uh, and we are joined by the hosts of one of my very favorite podcasts, The, the House of X, with uh, with hosts Dylan and Regina. Uh, these two are hilarious and thought-provoking and social justice-oriented and saucy, and it makes me laugh every episode. So make sure you're, uh, you're giving it a listen. Uh, and they're reviewing the current X books and putting out lots of uh, special episodes along the way. So I'm thrilled to have you guys here. So uh, to begin, let me have you guys each introduce yourselves. Uh, and let us know your pronouns. And the question I'm going to ask today to have you each answer, uh, which mutant powers would make you amazing at your job in real life? That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Regina, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. All right. I'm Regina. I am the co-host of the House of X podcast. My pronouns are she, her. I'm fine with they, them as well. Um, probably I would go with North Star's powers. I mean, being able to go super fast would definitely please my management team. <laughs> and my name is Dylan. And yeah, I'm a, the other host of House of X podcast. And my pronouns are he, him, his. And I, I'm going to sound just like Regina because we both do office work. If I had North Star's powers to be able to do things really fast, it would help. So, yeah, <laughs> same thing. Um, my name is Heather. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I'm really only interning right now, so I don't know that there would be a need for superpowers at my job currently, but I think it would be cool to be telekinetic like Jean, and so I wouldn't have to, you know, get up because who wants to do that? 
Um, in this chat, I said he, him, his earlier. That I'm a therapist in my day job, so I would choose uh, empaths' powers, uh, empath from the Hellions, where I can just, with consent, I presume, uh, alter people's uh, emotional memories around their trauma and uh, and make therapy a much more pleasant experience for everyone. And I, I feel better now. It would be so much easier that way. Uh, do you guys want to talk just a little bit about uh, House of X and what you guys are doing there and what's coming up? Sure. Sherlyn, sure. do you want me to do it or do you want to do it? We can split it up. Uh, okay. We usually do weekly reviews of the newer X-Men comics that came out the previous week. And uh, we just do a deep dive in anything that has an X-Men character or a mutant in it. So even though we do the weekly reviews of just the X-Men books, if they show up in another Marvel title, we try to at least read it quickly and just give a breakdown of, hey, Wolverine showed up in the runaways and did this type of thing. But then we, from time to time, do episodes that we call random fandom episodes, and I will let Regina explain those. So when we started our podcast, something we wanted to do is give other parts of the fandom a bigger voice in the X-Men community. So cosplayers, drag queens, artists, just general fans. You know, we've had a lot of different people kind of just come visit with us. We've done reviews with um, some of our fans, um, some fans of the X community. We've had um, the voice of Rogue from the animated series on, which was great. Lenore Zan is amazing. She's so fun and so sweet, so kind. We also have done um, interviews with the some of the creators for the Indigenous Voices issue. So some of the professionals. We've interviewed Zeb Wells. So we are we're having a great time just kind of touching on all different parts of the fandoms, artists, you know, friends, fans, whoever wants to be part of the show, there's probably a place for you there. So. <laughs> and when it, oh, go ahead. I just wanted to add, when it comes to the Marvel Voices books, those are very important to me and Regina. We did have four or five different creators that were on that Voices issue on our show. And then we did a special episode where we had uh, two African-American guests on when we did a Marvel Legacy Voices issue, which was about African-American heroes. And we also try to educate people as well. And we had an episode, actually, I don't think it was a podcast episode. We have a YouTube channel as well, but we had a YouTube episode where we had a round table with just like, 10 or 11 different people of color just talking about, about people of color in comics. And we had a special episode about the Women of Marvel episode where we had four women on with us. And just to give a plug of something we have coming up, later on this week, we have another episode for the new Marvel Voices Pride issue that came out. And we have a handful of LGBTQ plus guests on with us to review that book. Uh, as a fan of your podcast, I'm having so much fun, and I so appreciate the the careful commentary. Uh, for example, uh, Karma being resurrected with uh, her robotic leg, and the discussion about uh, about able-bodiedness and ableism. I mean, there's a lot of really beautiful things happening. So uh, I, I'm so thrilled to have you guys here again. Thank you for all the great work you're doing. Thank you. Uh, 
For the purpose of today, we're going to be launching into uh, X-Men number nine. I am going to presume you guys have never read the original run of the X-Men. I know Heather hasn't. I've read bits and pieces of it, but way long ago, and I don't remember it at all. (laughs) (laughs) I've read bits and pieces of it, and I think a bit more pieces than Regina, but yes, a long time ago. So I I am a, a Marvel handbook writer from years ago. And so I got to like throw myself into deep continuity and I read all of the original stuff. And I have such a fondness for the weird, terrible 60s comics that set up everything. <laughs> They're so problematic. Uh, <laughs> and so primarily we've had guests coming over who are X-Men fans, but not generally from the comics. Uh, uh, Heather, do you want to talk a little bit about your X-Men fandom? Um, so I grew up on the movies, um, at least... I remember watching the first one a lot. Um, And my dad was always a fan of comics. And so I always kind of grew up with comics as, you know, a general thing. I knew most of the superheroes names, even if I didn't know a whole lot of their backstory or anything like that. Um, And, but it's been a lot of fun getting to get into X-Men, like, from the beginning, even though, as Chad said, it is, it's a little problematic and it's real ridiculous, but we love it. <laughs> as, uh, as I'm reading these originals, uh, Heather, I can hear your voice making the <laughs> sound pretty, pretty consistently, <laughs> which makes me happy. Uh, uh, I was also going to comment quickly before we begin. Uh, I've been watching, I have sons that are 12 and 9, and we've been watching the original 90s uh, cartoon, and I haven't seen it in years and years. And uh, the season five, we're in the season five now, and the animation is not great. Uh, but hearing like you talk about Rogue's uh, actress voice, like I've been watching the old episodes with her, it's it's uh, it's it's really fun to go back and and relive. Uh, so let's begin. Uh, I'm going to hold this up since we have a camera. We have uh, uh, X Men number nine. There is the cover we're going to be talking about. Uh, Stanley and Jack Kirby really love to pack a whole bunch of characters into these old original uh, issue covers. If you count the characters along the top, I think we have like 16 <laughs> different people here. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on the cover as we begin? It's very busy. It's a very busy cover. <laughs> like, there's so much there's going so on. Much like, where do your eyes like go first? <laughs> yeah, when you have panels on the cover, it it's too much. <laughs> My eyes are drawn to Lucifer, who, what is going on here with his, like, green and purple? It's it's just yeah. horrific. He looks like a frog in a suit. Like, the green makes it look like it's his skin. Yeah. I thought he was a lizard man at first. <laughs> the Incredible Hulk uh, in issue number two fights a group called the Toad Men, and he immediately makes me think of the Toad Men. Uh, Heather, what do you notice first? Uh, so, I mean... Like Regina said, there's so much happening. Um, but I think very first I see Ant-Man because he's so much bigger than I ever think that he, like I know that that's his power. Like he changes sizes and it's not just being small, but it's so strange for me to see him so big because I think of him as, you know, same size as the Wasp who is missing from the cover, by the way. Presumably they're just real small. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> what is uh, what is Jean doing over in the corner? There's like, a, uh, 
that's a strange pose. She's got like her knees up and she's launching herself over a wall or something. I don't know what's happening. She yeah, probably downloaded a gymnast and just went for it. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that I thought was really confusing, like I, it's neat with the corner box art of having Angel like not be in it, but it really, this cover almost makes it seem like there's two angels like on the cover and that that bothered me because i was really confused they're kind of like wait why is he in two spots oh he's not in the corner that's why and we'll talk more about this but i also love like professor x's like battle tank wheelchair i think it's kind of amazing i know military grade (laughs) wheelchair yeah yeah uh so let's take a moment to set up the avengers for just a minute we'll we'll do this more in the issue of course the x-men was launched as an original team all original characters The Avengers predates this book by a little bit, and it did something uh, kind of Justice League-like in that it brought in a bunch of individual heroes and put them together in one team book. So they all have uh, previous histories. The original Avengers included the Hulk, uh, Ant-Man, who is pictured as Giant Man in this book, uh, Thor, and Iron Man, and the Wasp. So Ant-Man had his own title it wasn't titled after him, but he he was appearing and I believe Tales to Astonish, I may have that slightly wrong. Uh, and the Wasp was kind of his, uh, his younger flighty girlfriend who's a fashion designer and he gave, gives her powers one day and it's just, uh, they go on these series of misadventures. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp's villains are the most ridiculous villains in all of Marvel Comics history. <laughs> they're They're absolutely ridiculous. The human top, uh, the Living Eraser. I mean, they're just, they're these bizarre, <laughs> bizarre villains. It's definitely worth a read. Uh, so the Avengers assemble to fight Loki. Hulk very quickly quits the team. And then a few issues later, Captain America joins. Uh, and so we have these these heroes who have a long legacy in Marvel. Uh, but this issue is incredibly uh, important for the X-Men mythos in that uh, we have the Avengers appearing in an X-Men book. It really solidifies them as uh, part of the Marvel Universe. This happened a couple issues ago with the Submariner, but this is even bigger because the Avengers were in many ways outside of the Fantastic for the Marvel flagship title. Uh, so when we go back and read this, we have to realize how significant this is. Uh, what do you guys think about the original Avengers team as they appear here? I mean, they're I'm... the ones that I think of when I think of the Avengers. Um, even though I have never in my life been a fan of Thor, he still is what comes to mind when I think of the original Avengers team. Yeah, when I was reading this or whenever I think of the original Avengers, I always think of, I don't necessarily know where the statue is, but somewhere in Marvel history, there was always a statue of the original Avengers team. So I always just think of that statue in comic panels when I think of, the original Avengers, and it was all of these characters. Yeah, that statue came in. Uh, they when they canceled the original Avengers run in the '90s, and they did the whole Heroes Reborn universe. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Uh, after they brought all the heroes back into the regular Marvel universe, Kurt Busiek and George Perez took over and relaunched the Avengers, and that's where that statue debuted. It was like their way of honoring the original team. It's this big, huge, impressive art piece that's like on their front lawn. It's uh, it's kind of great. Uh, my sons looked at this and they're like, where's Hawkeye? Like, where's Black Widow? Like, that's- <laughs> <laughs> they come in later. Noobs. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. 
<laughs> literal noobs. Uh, so as we begin, uh, as we begin on page one, we got a big splash page again. Uh, moving into page two, we find the X Men uh, on a ship headed toward Europe. Uh, which, even though Professor X can afford battle tank wheelchairs and helicopters, for some reason he's like, "I urgently need your help. Please get on the slowest vessel to Europe to come." Right? <laughs> get on a boat that's going to take you at least a month to get here. Yes, and we. Have... Oh, go ahead. It was the '60s. They had airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> we have to presume that the boat is named the Titanic Two. Because panel one, it is like full steam ahead for an iceberg. Uh, what happens next? We get to see Cyclops blast the iceberg. And it's awesome. But also, like, the biggest part of icebergs is underneath the water. So you're still going to hit it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually, I read the first couple of panels. And then I was like, wait let me learn about icebergs. So then I went and did a Google search and I was probably researching icebergs for like an hour and a half. <laughs> Thank you. Cause now we, we have fun facts on all of our episodes. So this probably means that one of our upcoming episodes, her fun fact is going to be about icebergs. I love that. <laughs> my, my personal aren't, theory. Oh, go ahead, Heather. I was just going to say, aren't like most of an ice, isn't most of an iceberg under the water? Yeah, And yeah. so like just blasting the top of it, that's not going to do anything for you. <laughs> My theory is I think the X-Men were pissing Iceman off somehow. And he just zapped <laughs> the floating iceberg in front of the ship to, to scare everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's my theory. Uh, I, I love, so we have, we have Cyclops using this full blast. He's exhausted and Angel's starting to help him away. And we have this, uh, this couple named Samuel and Matilda who were talking about how in their generation, <laughs> they were much hardier. They should have taken their seasick pills. That's my favorite Lee and Kirby stuff is when you get these bit characters in the corners. It makes me so happy. Like I want to see a series about Sam Samuel and Matilda now. <laughs> Being hardy youngsters. <laughs> and I mean, don't we, we, you know, it really irritates me when I'm watching online discourse and people who are in my generation are like, well, kids in my era were respectful. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> <we're not>. <laughs> <laughs> Teenagers in no era have been fully respectful. Yeah. Whenever, whenever I hear make America great again, I think great again for who? Yeah. For Samuel and Matilda, yeah, exactly. who they're talking yes. about. <laughs> like the nineties, like y'all not remember drive-bys? Like Oh, well, all these children are getting murdered. Yeah, like they've always been murdered because <laughs> crime is a thing. And we had like a whole conversation about gang violence in the 90s. It was always on the news. Like, y'all don't remember that? How we lost so many class. Well, I don't know about y'all. I lost a lot of classmates. I grew up in Little Rock and it was bad. <laughs> but yeah. So we we, we see the X-Men returning to their cabin to convalesce Cyclops. Uh, Iceman generates some ice cubes and uh, Gene telekinetically lifts them up to rest them against his forehead because he's- it's very reminiscent of Professor X being an invalid. And they're like, oh, we got to take care of the professor. Now it's, oh, we got to take care of Scott. 
Uh, and then let me just read Jean's thought bubble out loud because oh, it's very God. relevant. Uh, <laughs> oh, Scott, my heart just breaks when I see you so pale, so shaken. If only I could comfort you with my arms, my lips, but I know I mustn't. As our acting leader, you've no time for thoughts of dot, 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 romance. <laughs> oh, Stanley, Stanley loved him. Uh, Shakespearean love story with lots of tragedy mixed in. Uh, what, what do you guys think about Gene? Oh, Gene. <laughs> Although, let me say, I like her dress. I don't like the green dress. You, if you listen to our podcast, you know I complain about it all the time. <laughs> but this dress is really cute. But I'm like, honey what are you doing with the ice cubes? Because are you just going to hold them against his skin? That's uncomfortable. You need to be able to shift it around. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, she has a green scarf on. She could use that. Oh, her, yeah. thought, her thought bubble continues. She says, if only we were ordinary yeah. humans free to follow the urgings of our hearts. The urgings of something. Uh, <laughs> but I mustn't allow myself such hopeless dreams. Uh, yeah, there's a lot there. And these two have like a 30 year back and forth. Do we love each other? No, we don't. Uh, they're, they're Just get great. your shit together. <laughs> Look, I read fast. So the next line is Warren saying, we'll be docking. And I jumped to the next word soon. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Does everyone know what docking is? Because... <laughs> Are we all familiar? <laughs> I'm surprised Regina knows what it is. <laughs> I can't. There, so Heather, Heather and I are in Utah, and there is a large <laughs> Mormon school here called BYU. Uh, and the it's the whole save yourself for marriage thing. And there's reputation that the students will dock because they do not consider it full sexual intercourse. Docking is when you just stick it in and don't do anything. So it's like a way <laughs> so pointless. without breaking the, the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. <laughs> Woo, got this is definitely, I actually was, not, I guess I was thinking of a completely different type of docking, but <laughs> what what docking were you thinking of, Dylan? Um, Dylan, I'm going to let you take that because <laughs> <laughs> it, it's. Do you seriously not know, or are you just making me say this out loud, Chad? I am not sure if I know or not. Actually, to be fair, they're oh. from Utah, so they probably don't. <laughs> it's. It's when there's two gay men, and if one of them is uncircumcised. Oh, yes, yes. I have yes, you, you put the penises together, and the mm -hmm. person that's uncircumcised uses takes their foreskin and covers the other one. As, as a gay male, yes. <laughs> However, I did not that's why it was like, wait, aren't you a gay man? I'm pretty sure all gay men know what that means. I know. I was like, wait, now I'm lost. <laughs> They're both both references to docking are hilarious, and now I was embarrassed because although I have a PG thirteen sense of humor, this. <laughs> thank you for schooling me once again. <laughs> oh my god! Sorry. Oh no no! I'm, 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 um, in the time travel uh, series, if you guys have read the Bendis stuff where they go to the far future, uh, Gene and Scott discover this like tragic tragic turn to their love story, and it ends very very badly. 
And so Jean like willfully is like, no, we're not going to date. And she tries to date Beast for a minute. And then Scott goes off in space and dates some girls for a minute. But then they kind of reconcile before they come back to the past again. So uh, there's more weight to to these like unrequited love thoughts between them, the poor things. Bendis did a pretty fun job with that story, I thought, actually. Have you guys read the the all new X-Men run? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting concept, although it went on like several years too long. Too long. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> okay, so Professor X. Oh, oh we got to talk about Beast real quick. Coming in with his like thermal <laughs> ice tea. He's like leap bend here. Let me hand it to you with my foot. It's so over the top. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> Professor X is reaching out with uh, with a mental uh, summoning. He is in Europe in a cave. Uh, in uh, some sort of pulley system is lowering him into a base under the Balkans uh, where he has found Lucifer's uh, secret base. What do you guys think of uh, battle action Professor X here? I want a toy, first of all. <laughs> you know, this I mean, reminded me of a Ninja Turtle episode. For some reason, I have this vague recollection of <laughs> like this would fit perfectly in the Ninja Turtle aesthetic. <laughs> I agree. I don't remember that particular episode, though. <laughs> it was probably just the um, the tank, you know, that goes through. It's just weird. Why have we never seen this battle-ready wheelchair ever again? Like, this would have. it looks like it would have come in way more handy than his hovering chair that we're used to, or even just a regular wheelchair. Why is this not his go-to? And it's very fashion-forward. We got like the red skull cap and the blue jackets. There's a there's a lot going on here. Uh, Maybe he uses his image inducer to, so that we don't know that that's what it is. That's true. Maybe he's had it all along. An image inducer on a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> no. What's the Regina. <laughs> He's been all kinds of creepy the whole series. That like that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, we uh, we see Professor X running down a hallway, which then gets turned into uh, fire. But luckily, his wheelchair is equipped with hydraulic extendo arms to keep him from <laughs> uh, from landing in the lava. Lucifer then activates uh, an artificial dust devil because that's the most effective way to catch someone in a cave is by sending a tornado at them to, <laughs> to bring Professor X all the way there. Uh, share your thoughts on uh, Mr. Lucifer with his artificial dust devil. Well, like, first of all, they talk about later how isn't is Lucifer a human? He is not, but it doesn't reveal that in this okay. issue. Okay, because it says later they reference him as a human. But so, because I was like, if that's the case, then what is he doing? <laughs> I don't understand the need for a secret lair in the heart of the Balkans. And also, how do you make an artificial dust devil that solidifies around someone and imprisons them? Not only does That's it not how something it, works. Not only does it solidify, it hardens. There's a lot of unfortunate yeah. words <laughs> in this. <laughs> I think we passed the one that says throbbing and <laughs> There's a few more throbbings, and yeah, we get to Thor's hammer. That's a whole different combination. Oh yeah. 
so Lucifer is pictured here as like a big X-Men villain, like the arch foe of Professor X. He's been mentioned a couple times before. He's a man in garish dark green and a giant purple cape with matching boots and gloves. Uh, and I think he's he's being professed to be like a very strong foe for Professor X. Now we will see him a number of times. He's the one that Professor X says that he's the one that took his the, the ability of his legs. Correct. It won't come back until X-Men number 20, which is still a while, but they finally will tell how Professor X lost the use of his legs. Even though in issue one, he said he lost his, uh, he lost the use of his legs as a child. He's lying about it, apparently. <laughs> Uh, but he's, he's such a liar because Charles is a dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Lucifer seems to be being built up to be a huge X-Men villain uh, who's obviously faded into obscurity over the years. Uh, what did you guys think about Lucifer as a threat in this issue? He didn't seem like a threat at all. Like, yeah, the, like... The, those panels of Professor saying that he needed to find him and he's the one that caused this and blah, it makes it, Xavier speaks like he's talking about apocalypse or something. And then we get there and he's just like this dude that's made a few robots and things. And then he gets mad when the X-Men and the Avengers break his toys and then he runs away. <laughs> like, how do you not have like henchmen and things working for you? Like you are not that big of a threat. You're just a dude that lives in a cave. Lucifer warns at Professor X right away, like, if you stop my heart, a giant bomb will go off and basically destroy the planet. And he, he admits later that he spent like 10 years building this bomb in this cave, uh, which is just, again, 1960s deliciousness. <laughs> We've got this alien hanging out in a, in a cave in Europe, just building the bomb for a decade. Uh, I don't know. He uh, he comes across as pretty ridiculous to me, even more so than the Vanisher. And we definitely have a lot of feelings about the Vanisher here at Graham Malcolm Lane. Um, <laughs> but he's just ridiculous. Heather, did you enjoy Lucifer? Um. Yeah. I mean, like you said, he's definitely built up more than I think is necessary. But he came up with a good plan to stop Professor X from killing him, if we're being real, like, because Professor X, for all his faults, and he has many, um, he obviously isn't willing to set off this bomb that would basically cause an apocalypse of the Earth. And so, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Lucifer has accomplished what he planned to by stopping Professor X in his tracks, but, you know, Professor X will always find a way around that because he's a master manipulator. <laughs> yeah, he's a credible threat when you think about planetary destruction or at least the destruction yeah. of the continent. Uh, when we flip the page, we have uh, a, a geography issue. The Avengers and X-Men are landing in the, the a Bavarian village uh, which would be like Germany, right? But Professor X is in the Balkans, which is like all the way across Europe. But, you know, let's just assume that they're in the same place for the purpose of this issue. Uh, Thor is very phallically twirling his hammer around as he talks about uh, uh, having followed some strange impulses that make his hammer quiver and how his goal is now there at hand. <laughs> Uh, he just is hanging out, like polishing his hammer at Avengers Mansion, and suddenly he's like, oh, my hammer's quivering. We need to go to Europe right now. 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you guys uh, do you guys enjoy Thor and his hammer? I mean, I enjoy Thor's hammer, but <laughs> not in the sense of this comic. And I don't know older Avenger comics. Is that how they would like start submissions? Would Thor's hammer just start wiggling, and then they're like, "Oh, let's follow it." That I don't. Think I don't so. know. I don't know those books, but I don't think that's what happened. So, like, <laughs> unique plot device here, where something in Lucifer's machines are activating the Uru in his hammer. I. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, he's posing with it too. Like that panel of him landing, he's got like full hammer, like standing straight out and proud in front of him. Then it's up in the <laughs> hand. It's like two hand grip up here. Uh. <laughs> yes, it's it's very big and takes two hands to handle. It's hmm? I I like things like that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Dylan, how is it possible that you're trying to out-dirty me? Normally, I'm the dirty one. <laughs> when we appear on other people's podcasts, I turn into you. We, we, yeah, we're just fanning ourselves back here. Uh, no, I love it. So there's there's a really incredible image from a Thor comic book. I brought this up with Heather once, uh, where Jane Foster, who later becomes Thor many, many years later, is just dreaming about how if Thor would just let her take care of him like a woman should. And in the dream, she's like polishing his hammer with a rag. Like if only, if only he would let me be here. I'll, I'll find it and post it sometime. It's, it's maybe That's the most wonderful. stunning image Marvel has ever had. I love this. Uh, so the Avengers are looking for this threat. They don't know what it is. Uh, and a man in an amazing green plaid suit drives to, tries to drive through, and they are so over the top in trying to get this man to go over the way, or get to go away. They're like threatening him, get out, wasp jumps on his head. Uh, the poor guy, like he just booms away, of course. <laughs> uh, I kind of want the green plaid suit though. I think it's kind of amazing. As long as you get the matching hat. What's that? As long as you get the matching hat. Yes, oh, of course. I think the hat is uh, a key accessory to this <laughs> outfit. Uh, <laughs> uh, the X-Men have now arrived in the same village and they realize uh, there is something going on. They seem very nervous about showing their powers until Angel just like throws his shirt off and goes flying around to look for Professor X. And I'll admit, Angel's looking pretty good in this picture. He's got like the tight tank top on, he's all winged <laughs> out. Uh, you know, it's, he's, he's, he's doing it for me here. I kind of like it. <laughs> Anyone Definitely else? level of hotness that Scott doesn't have. <laughs> mm. Not until he's like in the skin tight blue. Uh, Scott does it for me sometimes, but yeah, Angel looks pretty good here. <laughs> uh, Dylan, who's your X Men crush? Is it Warpath? I think that's obvious. Actually, now that I'm asking that question, uh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's he Warpath. almost got dethroned by. There's multiple people who almost dethroned him. We could be here all day. <laughs> You've been a little thirsty for Bishop lately, if I'm recalling. Bishop, Dokken, Grey Crow, sometimes Wild Child. It's it's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> and, and ladies, do you have uh, X-Men crushes right now? All mine are lady crushes and... My main squeeze is apparently Madeline Pryor because of the underboob. 
<laughs> oh, she does give a serious underboot. <laughs> yeah. And Heather, for you? Um, I mean, I, it's uncharacteristic of me because it's not usually my type, but honestly, Emma Frost kind of does it for me. Which is weird because that's not usually the type of girl that I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Kitty Pride's more my type, but lately Emma Frost has been doing it for me. <laughs> I can definitely see, see Kitty Pride in the roller derby with you before I can see <laughs> <laughs> okay so we're back in uh we're back in lucifer's secret cave he is unleashing his thermal bomb if his heartbeat stops he's gonna it's gonna blow up a continent uh so he kind of just leaves professor x on the ground here professor x shoots his astral body outside of his physical form to go save the x-men because uh because lucifer has unleashed a destructive ray of some kind that's going to kill them ionic uh, ray Yes, which is the most dangerous kind. Uh, I, I think Wonder Man has ionic powers. Yeah, so I think he does. Yeah, yeah, so maybe it's this, I don't know. Maybe he got this technology from Baron Zemo. Uh, anyway, Professor X warns the X-Men uh, just in time. And again, we see kind of a credible threat. Uh, uh, giant thermal bombs and continent destruction are, are a little bit frightening. He's like upping Magneto's game. Magneto has threatened to, or has taken over countries, but but we have someone threatening to destroy entire continents here. Uh, the uh, the X Men are all getting ready to for action. They run into the woods to put on their costumes, uh, and we have an adorable scene with Cyclops almost falling in a hole, and uh, Jean Grey narrowly saving him with a piece of wood. No, Jean almost falls in the hole. Is it Jean? Yeah, because he says, look out, you'll stumble into that oh, hole in front of you. I totally misread that. I thought she saved Cyclops, but she saved herself instead it of- makes, It makes no sense. Why doesn't she just use her power to pick herself up? That's, no, what? Yeah, that's what I thought, but <laughs> it would have made more sense if it had been Cyclops. Like that would have yes. made sense, but that's not what we got. <laughs> I feel like that's an entirely pointless scene. Like why? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think she's learned how to levitate herself yet, now that I'm thinking about it. But if you're running and there's a hole right in front of you, do you pause in mid-run to telekinetically bring yeah. the over and place it under your foot? And then, whew. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of effort going into this <laughs> millisecond thing. My, my favorite is actually the beast getting ready. I love his little monologue that he does to himself. He likes this his words. Like He's like, and now the curtain rises on act one. The stage is set, the cast is assembled. And unless I am grievously mistaken, the beast is destined to play a stellar role. <laughs> <laughs> so Heather does not read the comics. Dylan and Regina, uh, isn't it nice to see the beast having fun? Do you miss yeah. this beast? I do. And, you know, I could actually see him making this same fucking monologue right now. <laughs> <laughs> but in a totally different context. <laughs> even even though he's a monster right now, that doesn't mean that he's not having fun. <laughs> That's true. I, I don't I know. He kind of like is he... having fun, which is the problem. <laughs> I haven't seen Fun Beast since like before uh, before Hope Summers came into the picture. I feel like it's been years and years. Uh, it's it's been a long time. Uh, I miss Fun Beast. So these are fun to read because Fun Beast yes. is here. 
so Professor X has now assembled the X-Men and he's just kind of hanging out up there astrally, even though he <laughs> left his like unprotected body in a cave with a gorilla and who wants to murder him. <laughs> Lucifer doesn't notice. I, I don't know what's happening there. Uh, the the X-Men have been ordered to hold off the Avengers because if they attack Lucifer, it might destroy the planet. But even though Professor X has like time for full-on speeches, he cannot tell the X-Men why they uh, why they need to hold off the Avengers because you know that that would be unnecessary. I don't know. They're just doing it because he said so. My long-standing theory is he just likes to fuck with them and see how far they can go uh, and if they're gonna die or not. I don't know. He uh, he's ridiculous. And we, and we have to remember that they're teenagers when this is happening. Like. <laughs> He's just messing with a bunch of teenagers. Hey, go get on this boat and <laughs> sail across the sea without an adult. And <laughs> yeah. We a few weeks ago we reviewed the issue where the X-Men go up to Asteroid M to fight the Brotherhood and they almost die in space. And Professor X couldn't join them because he was too sick to use his powers. But at the end of the issue, he's like, actually, I do have my power still. I was just testing you. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Charles is a dick. <laughs> but you know, on this page, I have to say, so we start this trope of heroes battling heroes. And apparently that trope is never going to end. <laughs> never has but, yeah, but we get this wonderful line from Cap saying, we fight for the same cause. Let us join forces. And I was like, oh, after like 50, 60 years, Cap is still the same. Which we hope for <laughs> in the current comics. We hope Captain America is going to come around. Uh, so the X-Men uh, are forced to fight the Avengers, uh, you know, if if you want to call it forced. Uh, and, you know, frankly, as a reader, I want to see these two teams fight anytime they meet. I want to see them beat the shit out of each other. Like, who's going to win? <laughs> as a fan, don't you want to see that every time, even though the, the plot device is overused? Um, kind of, yeah. I wanted to point out something. I'm not sure, because I am sure that we're, we all read this on, like, different, like, platforms or different books or whatever. And the coloring is a little different, I think, in every type of medium. And I'm looking at it on uh, Marvel Unlimited. And when the Avengers show up, I don't know if Marvel just missed this, but like, I can't see it. I, I don't know if I can get this to show up very well on my end, but okay, Thor, Thor's pants are not there. <laughs> like he has booty shorts on. In mine, in mine Thor has blue pants on. It's blue. Okay. See, in mine, yeah. he does not. <laughs> I kind of like Thor in booty shorts, though. Yeah, when when I got to that page, I was like, wait a second. So I went back, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, no, this is just a mess up on one panel. And I was like, I kind of like it. Can we put Thor in booty shorts instead? <laughs> Thor should always be and, in booty shorts. Yes, and then maybe Heather will like him. Uh, <laughs> 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 I don't know. It's a pretty, you know decades long uh, dislike of Thor that I'm not sure that simple booty shorts can fix. <laughs> wait, wait, why don't it's you worth like a shot though. I've never liked Thor. Like growing up, I read a couple of his comics and Thor comics were always my least favorite. And 
then when they made the first Thor movie, I was, and I was like, why are they making a Thor movie? That's so <laughs> ridiculous. My brother was like, because they're going to do the Avengers. And I was like, well, fine, but why does it have to be Thor? <laughs> My uh, my sons will constantly ask me comic book questions. Who would win in a fight? This person or this person? And my my, uh, I've got the dad answer. I always answer. It depends on the storyteller because frankly, it does. They'll say, "Do you like this character?" Well, it depends on the storyteller. And they like every time my my nine year old will be like, "Do you think Thor Iron Man would?" Never mind. It depends on the storyteller, Dad. I got become <laughs> the, the Avengers. So why do we talk? Why do we talk to you? Let's right. go ask other dad. Uh, but Thor himself, uh, under the right storytellers, like Walt Simonson's run on Thor is one of the best things that's ever hit comic books. It's so good, uh, but it depends on the storyteller. Sometimes he's very, very terribly written. Uh, so the fight breaks out. We have uh, Cyclops hitting Thor's hammer out of his hand. Uh, Angel trying to grab Thor's hammer off the ground, but he can't budge it. <laughs> he's not worthy <laughs> never never touch another man's hammer with both hands unless you are worthy <laughs> how do you know if you're worthy you won't know until you try <laughs> uh captain america throws his shield beast grabs it with his feet and then does the weirdest pose with the shield above his back i don't know what's happening in this picture i think he's offering himself up as a bondage slave but you know because <laughs> then here comes hank picking him up <laughs> toss a couple ropes in and he's yeah he's already he's all trussed up yeah. uh we then we then have the uh giant man scolding beast by telling him to go swallow another dictionary which is the best version of the whole comic book for yes. me <laughs> so i have a brother we don't get along great but he had a phase uh for years where he would just use large words unnecessarily constantly uh like his voicemail message you know instead of like hey you've reached me leave a message he'd be like salutations from the eldest brother in the family line please leave, uh, like, it, it would be ridiculous. It'd be like all of these giant words that he didn't know what they meant. And if you ever consulted <laughs> him on it, he would say, you're just jealous of my verbiage. And this went <laughs> on for years. And one day we looked up the word verbiage and it literally means unnecessary vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, giant man telling Beast to go swallow a dictionary. Uh, he's just jealous of Beast's verbiage. That's, that's my favorite. Are Aren't both their names Hank? Yes, and they're both Hanks. Yes. If there's some Hank movie happening, perhaps. Uh, what, do guys, what do you guys think about the big fight between the Avengers and the X-Men? Do you have favorite moments? I mean, the fact that they had the two women fight each other and the one woman pulls the other one's hair. It, <laughs> like, that's the fight that we're going to have the two women have. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, I cannot fight to save my life. So if I was going to fight another chick, that's what I would be doing, pulling hair. Well, okay, but if we're being real, girl fights are worse than boy fights. They really are. I worked at a junior high for six years, and we like any teacher could tell you, like, if you can just get the boys separated, like, if they break eye contact, it's fine. They'll walk away you do not get in the middle of a girl fight because they will not end it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I uh, I love the Wasp. I think she's great. And especially in the old 60s comics, she's constantly flirting with everyone and trying to make giant men jealous. So like her humor about herself, like I should be able to handle Jean as long as no one gives her a fly swatter. <laughs> it makes me laugh pretty hard. Uh, we've also got Captain America like launching Cyclops into the air, like both hands pressing him above his head. Yeah, he's like full bench pressing Cyclops. <laughs> how, how did Cyclops even let you get that close to just pick him up? Kate, okay, but haven't you always dreamed about being bench pressed by Captain America? I have. <laughs> I will fully admit as a teenager having some uh, like fantasies about Captain America. It's been a while. Well, until the movies came out. And then we've got, uh, is it Chris Evans who plays Captain? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. No, yeah. He can bench press me anytime. That's fine. Yes. That's America's <laughs> ass. Just saying. I will catch his shield with my feet and present myself like Hank just did any day to Chris Evans. You are worthy of Captain America's hammer if he <laughs> Oh, by the way, Captain America is worthy of Thor's hammer. We have. Yes. Yes, he is. Absolutely. He can double grab it anytime. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so in uh, back in the cave, we have Professor X being so much uh, as he's like strategizing a way to slow Lucifer's mind without disrupting his heart rate. Uh, and he's using lots of big words. Uh, I must circumvent the portion of the medulla oblongata nearest the spinal column as I penetrate the most sensitive area of the cerebellum. I don't know <laughs> science very much, but <laughs> there's so much happening here. Although yeah, I, I mean, love that line. <laughs> when you use all those big words and then you throw in there penetrate, it makes it sound very sexual. He's, Real he's, he's mind fucking Lucifer, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but now that I think about it, doesn't Professor X have his degree in genetics? I believe that's a thing, yes. actually. Maybe he knows what he's talking about. Well, but then uh, later he says he's no physician. <laughs> He's like, his heartbeat seems regular, but I am no physician. I cannot be certain. It's like, that is the easiest thing to do is check someone's pulse. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he has his doctorate. I'm nearly positive he has a PhD. I'd have to go double check that. But anyway, uh, we also have the phrase Lucifer's thrusts thrown into this conversation, which again, there's so much phrasing, so many phrasing problems here. Uh, once Lucifer is defeated, the uh, the X Men are still battling. Uh, Jean Grey is getting a headache, which means she's overextending. She needs maybe to sit down. She had her hair pulled, and now she's you know she lifted that little log <laughs> before the battle. Now she's twirling <laughs> some rocks around Iron Man like she's getting tired, y'all. We uh, we often have conversations about how she's like the most powerful X Men, but uh, but she's not. Portrayed. Yeah, like she's about to faint here, like the faint, the gene that we're Never used to from portrayed. the animated series. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, tell people about the the meme you put together uh, recently, Dylan. Oh, there was some art made by artist Mark Brooks for an upcoming big event for the X Men, and you see a bunch of X Men standing around, and there's some that are knocked out, and Gene is there, and. When I first looked at the image, I didn't see her and I was very happy because I don't like Jean. So I was like, yay, Jean's not in this photo. But then someone's like, no, she's right there, but she's knocked out. And then I was like, oh, that's the Jean we're used to because we're all used to Jean being passed out from the animated series and just being the worst. So, 
So he put together this like collage of Gene unconscious. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> kind of brilliant. Uh, do you think Iceman in his ice cube about to be struck by Thor's hammer, do you think he's living his fondest fantasy right here? <laughs> Probably. Thor I mean, he, he made a big giant wall so he can just watch Thor pound away. So <laughs> I think he, he did. He wants Thor to pound on his ice wall and he did. His dreams came true. Uh, side conversation uh, for Dylan and Regina primarily. Have you guys read the new Marvel Voices Pride issue yet? Yes. Yes. There is a beautiful, if canonically problematic scene of Iceman as a teenager coming out to Magneto in it. Uh, so we get to go slide that back in, even though it just came out, into this continuity somewhere. Magneto wants to destroy everyone, but uh, Iceman had the wherewithal to, to speak up about being gay. Did you guys have a, a react? I'm sure you'll have a lot to say on the, uh, in your new House of X uh, uh, episode, but what, what were your thoughts on that scene? I thought it was cute. Uh, I mean, Bobby coming out to Magneto saved the day, but <laughs> it's really weird. But I, I think it's cute to have him come out to Magneto because Iceman's afraid. He's not just afraid of being a mutant. He's afraid of his other secret. And even though it wasn't too much of a secret for Magneto to be Jewish, I mean, in a sense, if the Jewish people could have kept it a secret, then he wouldn't have ended up in a concentration camp. So he, he understands this whole other thing that people could hate you for. So I thought that was cute. Well, and a lot of gay people were killed in concentration camps at the same time. So perhaps there's an additional understanding on Magneto's part there. I think that's really what the story was driving at is that the whole Nazi regime was not limited to just Jews. There were a lot of other people who were definitely harmed by that entire regime. And that actually continued even after the Jews were freed. Um, there is a documented history of people who were LGBTQ who basically were never freed. And I actually didn't know that until just the other day. And I was like, what? <laughs> and it was just horrifying and shocking. So I can see how that whole thing would have transpired. But then when you think about putting it into this continuity, how awkward would that be that, you know, in a couple of issues, they're going to be going up against Magneto again? <laughs> And, you know, is Bobby going to hold back? Like, you know, how does that work? <laughs> uh, we can always fall back on Professor X just messing with his memories. Uh, I think Fair. Professor X is homophobic. Maybe he closeted Bobby a little more with his brain. Uh, coming back to Professor X, the, uh, the Avengers realize, oh, like the X-Men have got it. We can trust them now. Let's just leave. They kind of just... <laughs> yeah. Walk away. I think Professor X is fucking with them again. Like, you got to go away, guys. Ding, ding, ding. And they just, they just leave. They it's just quickly exit stage right. Like, middle I, of the fight. <laughs> I love that apparently they have a rotating leadership. Because um, Iron Man says, better fall in line behind Cap, Thor. Your time has expired. It's his turn to be group chairman for the week. Hmm. <laughs> That's something that happens in the original comics. They take turns being leaders each week, which is kind of that's a fun cute. Thing. Yeah. I did oh, know I think that. That's awesome. So the Avengers depart and just kind of a continuity note here. It's not long after this that uh, all of the original Avengers quit and Captain America recruits three supervillains to fill out the roster of his team, including Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and the Scarlet Witch. 
So there's deeper ties between the X-Men and Avengers. And uh, in about 15 years or so, the Beast is gonna join their team. And he has a long stint with the Avengers as well. Uh, there's also a huge series from a few years back where it's the Avengers versus the X-Men, which is kind of a fun read, although it goes a little far. They're fighting over the Phoenix Force uh, and a lot of crazy shit happens. Uh, so yeah, these two teams have a lot to do with each other over the years. Did you guys read, did you guys read uh, AVX? Did you enjoy that I one? Did. I liked it, but again, it was something that went on too long or just maybe had elements of the story that were not needed. Yeah, here's one series and then let's tie it into like 75 other comic books. So <laughs> it goes on a little bit. Uh, okay, Professor X summons the X-Men down into the cave uh, so, so they can join him. And there's a line where he says, that he has uh, mentally checked every inch of the route, which again, phrasing, <laughs> so inappropriate. Uh, but uh, they, they climb up on the giant hydraulic bomb and this is not how telepathy works, but Professor X is able to like look inside the bomb uh, and, and see where like the trigger is. Uh, last issue or the last few issues, Magneto has been projecting himself astrally and like reading minds. And now Professor X is like using magnet powers. I don't know. It's- Their bond is strong. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this is where Onslaught got started. Onslaught's like- I was gonna say they had a-, a a baby with their minds, so. And the love child of these two, maybe they like, yes. maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a little more homoerotic than we thought. Maybe they share powers <laughs> and other things. <laughs> uh, uh, how do they finally defeat, well, excuse me, uh, Professor X like predicts how Lucifer's bomb would destroy the world. It's gonna melt the ice caps and like blanket the planet in tidal waves. Uh, so how do they end this, this predominant threat? by destroying the fuse with Cyclops' powers. Mm -hmm. He has to like- aim. While the deadly giant bomb begins to heave and throb. <laughs> There's heaving and throbbing and emanations, <laughs> but the optic blast carefully triggers the fuse and, uh, and the X-Men save the day, of course. Uh, and then they let Lucifer go. They're like, you tried to destroy the planet. You're my arch nemesis. See you later, have a good day. Yeah. Speaking of how we were just talking about Magneto and then Lucifer, do all of Xavier's villains just shop at the same store? Like, why Why are we wearing the same outfit as Magneto? <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we talked about this in episode one, I think. There, uh, Marvel seems to have particular color schemes that associate with, like, villains. But like the X-Men are all blue and yellow and all of their enemies are like red and purple and green. And like every one of Spider-Man's villains in the first few years of his comic are all purple and green. Like it's a, it's like, it's an ongoing theme. Like if you wear purple and green, you are evil as fuck. That's the message yes. that is delivered over and over. Uh, unless you're the Hulk. Yes. Who's purple and green also. Uh, why did Professor X uh, let Lucifer go? Any theories? Well, he says, because we X-Men are pledged never to cause injury to a human being, no matter what the provocation. Which is why I was asking earlier if he's human or not. He's not. He's a, he's a member of an alien race called the Quist. Uh, we're going to get more of him shortly, so I don't want to say too much because it will spoil sure. the original run. 
but also they could tie him up with ice or, ropes. Yeah, or like arrest him, take him to some sort of authorities and say he literally just almost blew up the whole world. <laughs> Put him I mean, in jail. The Avengers were just there. He could have just said, hey, Avengers, this guy is a planetary threat. This is what y'all do. Handle that shit. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> mentally put him to sleep and like bring him back with them and lock him up i don't know it seems very very irresponsible for a group of heroes to let this uh this maniac just leave peacefully it's very strange uh we get a new writer on the x-men pretty soon roy thomas takes over and we get more of lucifer uh shortly uh and his ties to professor x's origins but yeah he's he's a bizarre very forgettable villain in the in the long scheme of things uh more than the others that we've covered like Eunice and the Vanisher who at least have a, a staying place in the X-Men mythos this guy's just he's just ridiculous yeah I um, think they realized they're like we gave him this amazing name of Lucifer and he really kind of sucks let's I think there might actually be another Lucifer in Marvel maybe I'm wrong but not that I can think of off the top okay. of my head. I have a lot of obscure Marvel trivia in my brain, but that doesn't- Yeah, that's, that's why I said that with a question mark at the end. But... I uh, I think of Cinderella's cat. That's that's <laughs> Lucifer. And then there's the series on Netflix with the really hot guy yeah. I, that I've never seen. Uh, <laughs> I, I've never seen it either. And then we get a pinup of Jean, everybody. What are your but thoughts on that? She didn't sign that? it like the others did. What's that? She didn't sign it like the others did. Oh yeah, she didn't sign it this time. Uh, do you enjoy her? What do you think of her here? I mean, I want to know who this picture is because it looks like it's Xavier and that's a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> in the first issue, we have Jean admiring herself in the mirror as she uh, you know, talks, talks about how well her costume fits. Uh, she's, she's feeling herself here. She's, she's uh, yeah. body positive. She's lifting a plant and a picture and a box. <laughs> and immediately mm. afterwards, she got a bad headache. Yes. Then she <laughs> and had to pass out. Yeah, she had to go lay down. <laughs> like, it makes me think of I don't know who the artist is, but I'm sure everyone's seen those images online of like some artist made like 90s cartoon gene where she's like sitting on the couch and she uses her telepathy to go and get her like a soda or something. <laughs> and it's like, Gene, you could hold all three of those things with one of your hands. You don't need to use your telepathy. Like, just move them on the table. <laughs> if they're not in the way that you want them, just move them with your hands. Don't use your powers. This is, stop being lazy. I wish I could say it got better with Jean right away, but it's not going to happen for a while. She's a, <laughs> she's a background character for quite some time. Uh, I think she's there for the boys to flirt with or to save. Uh, and that's kind of just how girls were treated in comics back then. I don't know. Uh, it's unfortunate, but she's a great character depending on the storyteller. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Dad. <laughs> you know, I hated her for a long time until X-Men Volume 2, number 28, when she kicks the shit out of Sabretooth. And then, then she became one of my favorites. And I know Dylan still hates her. It's totally fine. But I love her <laughs> and her evil problematic twin. <laughs> So. She, uh, she's a great character sometimes, but yeah, they they don't generally do a lot of great. She's usually a romantic foil. And frankly, my first introduction to her was the 90s in that god-awful like yellow-blue outfit with the pockets. The one from the cartoon. It's like my favorite costume. Like I prefer Lucifer's costume over Jean. <laughs> <in the cartoon. laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it was the nineties. Everybody had pockets, costume. you know. What'd you say, Heather? I said, but do you prefer the Vanisher's costume over that one? You know, kinda, because it's so garish. Have you guys seen Vanisher and X-Men 2? Oof. Yes. It's maybe the worst ever, but it's so bad it's good. I don't know. It, I mean, it's very villainy. Like you see him <laughs> and you're like, that is a superhero villain. So I uh, I called him like a palm like a man from Palm Springs with a lot of money, but not a fashion consultant. I don't know. Sure. He uh, <laughs> he's my favorite. I don't know. I have a that's a good that's a good description. I think that feds. Uh, so uh, if you think about this issue, who was your star player uh, and what was your favorite moment? I'll go first. Uh, I think Thor is my favorite character in this comic. He made me laugh out loud the most. Uh, not intentionally, but just all of the hammer jokes <laughs> made me happy. Uh, and my single favorite moment, I think, is when Giant Man tells Beast to go swallow another dictionary. I think that's my standout moment from the issue. She doesn't have a big part, but I kind of dig the wasp in this. Um, I just think she's... She seems like she's allowed to be wittier, sassier than Jean um, as the other female character. And I'm always for that. And I think the standout moment for me is either Beast's monologue while he's getting ready or <laughs> Samuel and Matilda. <laughs> Did you notice, we didn't talk about this, but when the Avengers are leaving, Wasp is saying out loud, it wasn't all a waste. I did get to meet that dreamy angel, who's a teenager, by the way, inappropriate. But then she's thinking, oh, I'm wasting my time. Hank's too smart to act jealous. She's always, yeah. she's always trying to piss him off by flirting with the other heroes and makes me happy. You know, I think Cap is my favorite character. Like, I didn't like Cap for a long time because I thought he was just a giant Boy Scout. And then I found out his role in Civil War. And I was like, wait, now my entire worldview has shifted i have to figure out what the hell is happening where my stance is <laughs> but in the current comics we have this moment where he's talking to dr doom and he's saying you know when when humanity reaches you know more of the universe i thought it would be all of us together and i kind of feel like this is just part of who he is and he says you know we're fighting for the same cause let's join forces and that's just who he is even though the whole avx thing i just pretend that didn't happen so <laughs> But he still has that that sense of, you know, let's join forces. We're on the same side and let's do the right thing. Mm -hmm. He was wrong that one time, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> well, he's been wrong a lot of times. I feel like Cap re represents like the Republican Party in many ways. Oh, this. Is oh, please don't tell me that. <laughs> no, no, because, because if you picture this real universe where we have like mutant genocides, uh, he's kind of just willing to overlook the problem most of the time. He doesn't do any pro-mutant work, but when it comes in front of him, he's like, come on, we're good people. Like, just see the best in all of us and we can work together. And they're like, yeah, our people got slaughtered, man. So I, I think there's there's some stories. However, uh, there's, a, there's a, a series of Cap adventures that are set in the 1930s before he becomes Steve Rogers, uh, in which he has a gay friend named Arnie Roth. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh yeah, we love you, no worries. And Arnie comes back into the Cap issues later. So it's kind of a fun old Cap mythos that shows he's like very LGBT supportive as well. So I, I'm fond of him for that reason. I think, you know, when you have 
certain missions, like you can't, you can't be everything. Like it's hard to be environmentally friendly and, you know, support certain, you know, maybe minority businesses because they're not necessarily eco-friendly. And then like, where, where does your loyalty come? And I think that he just kind of has this split, you know, focus and he can't figure out how to focus on this other thing. Cause he's worried about this big stuff over here. And this is just my justification because I have a soft spot for Chris Evans. And in my mind, he is Captain America. <laughs> but we won't go into all that or we'll be here literally all day. <laughs> I adore Captain America, except when viewed through the lens of the mutants. Yes, that, that that's fair. Problematic. Absolutely fair. <laughs> my favorite part of this, or yeah, I, I, I agree with Chad. All the, the hammer parts of Thor's was entertaining to me especially that first panel of him flying in hammer first um a standout part for me is the human in the green plaid that gets like bullied in a sense by the avengers and then scared to death by the x-men and, and then he just drives away and he probably just like drove off a cliff like his day like he had a very bad day and nobody cares but i do also want to mention i love the whole uh beast go swallow another dictionary or something because i now know that regina is probably going to continue in our episodes and just say the beast needs to go swallow another dick and shut up <laughs> regina likes to say dick a lot on our podcast and she hates beast so i feel this guesting on your show has created a monster <laughs> but not the kind of monster he is thank you giant man <laughs> Uh, okay, you guys, well, let's, uh, we like to always get reactions on the cover for next week. I'll just hold it up unless you guys have it there in front of you. Uh, next time we're going to be reviewing, uh, uh, the first appearance of, uh, Kesar and the Savage Land. What are your thoughts on the, uh, <laughs> the initial cover here? I like it. It's much less busy than this week's cover. <laughs> and it's clear, there's like clear conflict, clear heroes, clear opposing opponents. Um, so it looks like a fun book. Mm -hmm. I love it because I love Kazar and Zabu. And even when I was younger and knew I was gay, I did not like blonde men. But I, and I even had that feeling when I read comics, I didn't like blonde men, but Kazar was the exception. So I <laughs> love the cover of this next issue. Uh, Matt Kirby drew his legs real good there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Heather, any thoughts? He looks kind of like fucking Tarzan, and I don't even know how I feel about this. <laughs> the uh, little known fact, but they actually considered calling him fucking Tarzan back in the original book. Because he's clearly a rough. <laughs> Not just Tarzan, fucking Tarzan. Fuck Tarzan, yeah. yeah. He can be the lord of my jungle anytime, I'm just saying. <laughs> Well, to be fair, there's nothing new under the sun, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, it's been such a pleasure to have you. Uh, where can people find you on social media if they would like to follow you or your podcast? Find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Red Queen of X. And our podcast is also on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for House of X podcast. And if you want to find me individually, you can find me at Warpath underscore Dylan. That is Warpath underscore D-Y-L-A-N on Instagram and Twitter. 
Uh, Gray Malkin Lane's still building up its following, but we are on Twitter actively now under at Gray Malkin P for P for podcast. Uh, and then we're on uh, Instagram as well under uh, Gray Malkin Podcast. We're running some daily trivia quizzes uh, and just kind of having a good time as we go. We've got some really fun things coming up in our next few issues with some great guest stars, uh, including some Marvel writers uh, and different creators. So, uh, Dylan and Regina, thank you so much for joining us today. Heather, thank you for coming back. I uh, hope you had a great time and uh, we'll chat with you soon. Thank you. Thank you for thank having you. me. Thank you. This was fun to talk about the older books. Thank you. I want you to uh, to just take the image of Thor's hammer with you as you are today. <laughs> Two hands on the hammer at all times, should you prove worthy. <laughs> I will. All right, you guys, take care. Have a beautiful day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you.